Hello, and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. What Christ taught about the kingdom of God, where you come into a relationship with God himself as the king of your life, is not just an idea, it's not a philosophy, it's not a theory. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go, depending on who's in power. But there is one kingdom that will never end, and that's the kingdom of God. It's a big concept for us to swallow, but when you understand who Jesus is and what he said about the kingdom of God, you'll be pleasantly surprised. The kingdom of God is not politically or militarily based, but rather one that can only be entered in after an inner transformation of an individual. Sound intriguing? Tonight, Dr. Corbett is continuing in a short series on the Kingdom of God. To untangle some of our thinking, let's join Dr. Corbett now for Wrong Ideas About the Kingdom. Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this won't, won't even be remotely like a lecture. That, Father, it would be something that would go deep into people's souls and that, Father, they would be strengthened as a result because that's what your word does. In Jesus' name, amen. So looking at wrong ideas about the kingdom of God, and I've already introduced the kingdom of God and the reason why this is so important, the kingdom of God was the preeminent topic of Jesus Christ. He spoke more about the kingdom of God than anything else. And so if you want to understand Jesus, if you want to know what Jesus was about, you have to understand what he meant by the kingdom of God. In fact, the very first message that he spoke, which we see in Matthew chapter 4, Verse 17, which says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven, which is a synonym for the kingdom of God, is at hand. So if you want to understand Jesus, you have to understand what he meant by the kingdom of God. And what he meant by it was not what they were expecting. In fact, it is quite literally true that what he said was scandalous. And, and that word scandalon, which is translated into English as be offended, they were offended. People were offended by what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. There were times when Jesus had religious people in their full garb, their religious hats, their religious scarves, their religious garments, their incense, all that nine yards. And at that point, Jesus said to them, it's a show, it's a pretense. You're all outward and nothing inward. And these people were deeply offended by it. And to make matters worse, Jesus went on and said this. This is taken from Matthew chapter 21, verse 31. And he's just told the story to speak to these people where he's described two sons, where a father says to his two sons, to the older son, go out and work in my, my farm today. And the older son said, I will not. And he said to the younger son, go and work in my field today. And he said, I will. The older son then had a change of heart and thought, oh, that was a bit rough. I think I will. I could have the older and younger mixed up, but it doesn't matter. The point is the same. And the younger one or the other one who said, yes, I will, he didn't. And Jesus says, which one actually did the will of his father? And this is the point, the context that we pick it up here. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, now hear the scandal, the tax collectors, they were the lowest of the low because they were siding with the Romans in the oppression of Jews 
and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Now Matthew is the only one that links these two because he was a tax collector and I think he had a vested interest to make sure that everyone knew he was going to heaven. So here we have Jesus saying the worst of the worst, the worst of the outcasts will be admitted into the kingdom of God before you. It's not about being religious. So what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God utterly transformed what it meant to be religious. Because up until that point, religion was something you added to your life. It was something you looked like you were doing. But what Jesus introduced to the world was this concept of it's got to come from the heart. There's got to be something deep in your soul. And so despite Jesus speaking for three and a bit years on the kingdom of God, his number one message, the parables of Matthew 13, all about the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. And despite that, we see that the Jews still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. They still thought, oh yeah, well he's saying that, but surely he means gather an army and come in and kick the Romans out. Surely that's what he means because after all, that's what we, that's what we expect. And Jesus was a master at not meeting people's expectations. And so we see that despite what Jesus had told his 12 disciples, and the thing that amazes me is three years of teaching on the kingdom of God, not only that, he dies, spear through the chest, dead three days in a tomb, comes back to life, physically restored, comes back to life, walks with these disciples for 40 days. And what does he want to talk to them about? Well, it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. Note this speaking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And yet they still didn't get it. So it was almost as if, yeah, 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 heart, soul, inner, yeah, whatever. When you when you bringing your army back? When are you going to kick these Romans out? When are you going to relieve our taxation? When are you... That's Yiddish. So in just three verses after this statement by Dr. Luke in the account of the Acts of the Apostles, it says this. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Which means, where's your army? (laughs) Come in, let's do some pain. Let's get rid of these Romans. Bring it on. They still didn't get it. And what Jesus taught upon reflection was not a kingdom comprised of military or political might. We've got candidates here today who want your vote. Jesus doesn't care about your vote. His right to rule is not based on whether he gets enough votes. He's described as Lord. So we see that the kingdom that Christ introduced was like nothing other the world had ever seen. Because it was transformational. It's not just an idea. What Christ taught about the kingdom of God where you come into a relationship with God himself as the king of your life. It's not just an idea. It's not a philosophy. 
It's not a theory. It's something that Jesus said was like the Holy Spirit, not even like, it was the Holy Spirit breathing life into you and your eyes becoming opened and you see things. One of the, the, the clearest examples of what he's talking about being coming into the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of, of a community coming in and you just have to go along for the ride. It's, it's you, the individual. In fact, it's remarkable how, how we read through the Gospels and we see how Jesus had time for the individual. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And Dr. Luke points out he had time for the ill and the sick and the lame and the blind. Dr. Luke, the physician, points that out. Dr. Luke, the Gentile, also points out that Jesus had time for Gentiles, people who were not Jews. Dr. Luke, who had most doctors I know, and we've, met, we've heard from two or three of them this morning, Dr. Ali and Dr. Amanda and might as well be Dr. Karen, have <laughs> all have compassion. And that's, that's been my experience with those in the medical field. They are people of compassion, and Luke was as well. And he pointed out, that Jesus spent time with people that people didn't want to spend time with. Individuals, women, the sick, the outcasts, people who are not Jewish. But that doesn't mean he didn't, despise, he, he didn't like the religious. He had a, a heart of compassion for them as well. Here's probably the most profound story in the Gospel of John about this very thing. In fact, it's the only chapter in which John specifically talks about the kingdom of God and it's Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel. He was the man. He was the, he was the chancellor. If there was a university, he was it. He was the chancellor. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And what does Jesus want to talk to him about? Let's have a listen. Sorry, shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. The Eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell the paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not Acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? here to show us a kingdom that is what our rulers are worried about no not that kind then what a sort of kingdom that a person cannot see 
unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <laughs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? you hear? The wind? How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize His effect. mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents. And they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about... Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him 
will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students I said, she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her. Healed. And here you are. The healer. Sanhedrin. You have family. You are getting advanced in years. <laughs> I understand. But the invitation is still open. The invitation to what exactly? <laughs> to lead a nomadic life? To, to give up who I am? It's true. There is a lot you would give up. You would gain. What a great line. You've got a lot to give up, but what you would gain. John 3.3, 3, which we heard there, was Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's not even about entering it yet. That's just seeing it. Christians soon came to understand that what Jesus was actually talking about was salvation. Salvation from sin. Salvation from the thing that is the root of all evil. Also referred to as eternal life. These are the words that Jesus used. An entrance into this kingdom was not just for the religious. In fact, it wasn't primarily for the religious. Neither was it by a military army. It wasn't by this word coercion. You're not forced into the kingdom that Christ has come to bring. But it was by invitation. And that invitation is given to all. Because this invitation requires surrender, as we saw the exchange between Christ and Nicodemus, no doubt there is surrender. But Jesus actually warned almost if you look closely at your Bible at this point, you can see the tear stain still there from Christ. Because he doesn't coerce people in, he doesn't force people in, he invites people in, but he warned with a tearful heart that most people would be prevented from entering because of their pride. They wouldn't accept the invitation. He told many parables about this. I've got my Bible open at Luke 14 where he told the parable about a man who once gave a great banquet. This is Luke 14 verse 16. And invited many and at that time, for the, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, 
come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go in to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, which cracks me up that everyone else had bought something they hadn't seen. I've married a wife, I need to find out who she is. That's an odd excuse, this is just the way I see things anyway. I like, generally when I get married, I like to see who I'm marrying. This is just by the way, anyway, by the way. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly. To the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men, and I imagine Jesus is looking at the people who are heckling and criticising him, the ones dressed in religious garb, possibly with a wave of a hand and a tear in his eye, said, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And so there's a, a longing in Christ's heart. He doesn't want to force. And down through the years, misguided people have understood wrongly that the kingdom of God or becoming a Christian is a matter of brute force and it, it never was meant to be that. Never. It's about, it's about trusting the evidence. And so, for Jesus, entering the kingdom of God was not a side issue. It's not one of the things you devote your life to. It was the issue. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you worry about will be added to you. So entering and remaining in the kingdom of God is not a matter of becoming religious. As we heard Karen say over communion, it's not a matter of participating in communion or having a priest say, I absolve you of your sins. It's a matter of coming to know Christ yourself. It's a matter of knowing him. Not knowing in the sense of a fact like... We know Scott Morrison is Prime Minister, but how many of us know Scott Morrison? Possibly, in fact, almost certainly, his wife knows him better than most. And is that kind of intimate no that Christ is talking about? And in his final prayer before he was crucified, John, who we saw depicted in that clip, who's writing what Jesus said, was near Jesus when he also prayed this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane before Soldiers came and took him, beat him, and eventually pinned him to a cross. This is what Jesus said, and this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And this knowing is a life pursuit. It's not a tick, done that. In Paul's final letter to the Macedonians, it's called Philippians, Having been an apostle for 30 plus years, he told them 
my life pursuit is to know Jesus. He said it this way, that I may know him, present, continuous, ongoing tense, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So the Apostle Paul said, to know Christ is eternal life, but to know Christ, you can never plumb the depths of it. To enter into the kingdom of God is not an event, it's a relationship, it's a journey. And so entering and remaining in the kingdom of God is an inner transformation of a person's soul that changes a person's priorities. We opened up this service today with the song based on that video clip. We are going to sing it, well, the worship team is going to sing it again and remind us of this profound truth. And then I'm back to give you an invitation. Well, I hope by this part of the message you've heard my heart. Many people have the concept that Christianity is simply going to church or be doing something religious or even being born in Australia. And what I've tried to show in this presentation is the very thing that Jesus taught. In fact, the kingdom of God was the central theme in Christ's teaching. He, he spoke about it so frequently, and he didn't speak about it as something that you do. It's something that you become. It requires an inner transformation that none of us, capable of doing by ourselves. So it's not a matter of becoming religious, otherwise Jesus would have encouraged that. It's actually a matter of turning our hearts over to God. You may feel that you're a million miles from God, but you're really just one prayer away. One prayer that acknowledges that you need God, you need his forgiveness, you need this spiritual transformation that Jesus was talking about, especially to this Nicodemus, who was the chief teacher of Israel at that time, when he said, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. And we, we heard that conversation that they had. It's not a matter of going back into your mother's womb or anything like that. It's about starting anew with God's help. That's what you need. As I pray this prayer in a moment, why don't you make it your prayer as well? Indeed, God so loved the world. And that's the kingdom cry. That God loves people and he's inviting people to come into a relationship with him. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter how far away you think you are from God, and you may think you're a million miles away from him, you may think God could never forgive me for all that I've done. Oh, this is the good news. And the good news is that you don't have to earn it, deserve it or work for it. It's a gift from God and he's inviting you to receive it. You're not a million miles away from God. You're one prayer and a prayer that simply answers the question that God is inviting you to receive. Will you accept my offer of forgiveness? Will you accept my gift of eternal life? Will you accept my pardon? And will you come in and let me adopt you as my child? You only need a one, prayer, a one word prayer. And that one word prayer is yes. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to close in prayer. And I want to thank you so much for being a part of our live stream today. If you are prepared to say yes to God, then let us know. We'd love to get some material to you to help you free of charge, completely free of charge. You can do it anonymously if you like as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those 
perhaps who have felt that their life is not worth living, their life is not worth going on. Perhaps they might be watching in a hospital ward right now. Perhaps they might be watching in a hostel. They may be watching in a safe house. They may be watching in Risdon right now. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet people right where they're at. Father, we ask now in Jesus' name that you would touch those who feel that no one cares, no one loves them, and that there's no point to going on, that right now they would experience your love and your grace, no matter where they're at, no matter what they've done, no matter who they've done it with, or who knows what they've done, you or God are prepared to forgive them. So Father, I pray that they would experience your love and your grace now in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for everyone who's joined with us today in this live stream, that they might know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. For a CD copy or a premium download of tonight's discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org, and select The Kingdom of God Part 2 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, the kingdom that Christ introduced was like none other because it involved an inner transformation of an individual and required surrender to Christ. More from Dr. Corbett next week as he looks at praying in the kingdom of God. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again, same time next week, for another Finding Truth Matters.